think Tara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. For thank you for me. coming on and you know and just thank you for being open to you know sharing your uh, personal experience with grief and just how you know that's that affects you mentally because we uh, yes I'm very big on grief here but also mental health you know because I feel like and for me personally when I um, you know went from grief losing my parents that not only did that affect me just emotionally but also mentally as well and I think sometimes as I said before what why I feel like with grief is often something that isn't there isn't space for it normally yeah. it's just often sometimes you know if you deal with some if you're dealing with someone who's grieving it's almost like okay well you know yeah you have your your, your period of mourning and after a while okay yeah you know hopefully just they just get on with it move on with it but but I feel like sometimes that the reason why we're like that because we don't talk about it and it's, it's kind of interesting because that's something that we're all going to go through whether like that's grief through losing someone but but even grief through losing someone we're all going to go through like you know and I think and I don't say that to be uh, sort of like morbid but it's, it's the truth and, and it's just unfortunate that um, yeah it's, it's not spoken about a lot so I'm, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the first one but I just feel like having, having a platform where you know it can be spoken about openly and not just in a way that's sort of you know we, we tread an eggshell of it but yeah. we, we talk about it properly yeah. you know and and I'll be honest I think um, you know like reading I said before we started reading um, your article it was a very interesting but also and I think and I don't want to say to because I want to sort of let you sort of you know tell your story but I, I think with uh, your type of loss I think sometimes it's not spoken about a lot maybe because it's quite sensitive and you know there is quite a lot of um how can i how can i say it well well, i I don't know how to say it so i'm gonna just yeah let you sort of tell your story because i don't want to give too much away but i want to sort of i don't want to sort of put words in your mouth or or Mm -hmm. narrate your own story so yeah i just wanted to you just to you know share your story um your story and your your journey with um you know loss and and essentially grief so Thank you again for having me um, on your podcast. 13 years ago, I had a late miscarriage. So, and the thing is, I didn't even know what that term meant at the time. Um, So basically you have the three trimesters in a pregnancy and the first trimester is usually the most kind of um, delicate time, Mm. if you like. So people don't really tell other people if they're pregnant in the early stages. Um, and if you lose a baby during the first trimester, it's a miscarriage. But then if you have a loss in the second trimester, that would be considered as a late miscarriage. And it's at a certain um, number of weeks into your pregnancy that they would say it's a natural baby. My sister also had a loss at 40 weeks, which was a stillbirth. But my loss wouldn't be classed as mm-hmm. a late miscarriage. And there's a lot of people... Um, who have lots of thoughts and things to say about that because it's still a baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had a late miscarriage, um, carried my boy for five months. I turned up at the scan for five months or um, 20 weeks and was told there's no heartbeat. The pregnancy wasn't even planned anyway. So mm. even hearing you talk about the mental health aspect, there's just so many things that you grapple with. Um mentally but it it really is like for me anyway um having the rug pulled from underneath me 
because it's just not at all something I was expecting to happen. So that kind of loss, so um, immediate. And it also felt public as well because during the scan, there was the sonographer who was, you know, doing the scan for me. And I had student doctors or um, people who was learning in the room as well, yeah. maybe about six or so. And I was asked, am I comfortable with them here? And I was thinking to myself, I was asked, but mm, I wasn't really asked. Is that, is that a, normal, a normal thing? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess because I have remember having conversations after my loss about it. And doctors, midwives, nurses, everybody needs to learn, right? So I get that. But then for me, I just was like, I felt like I had no choice in that matter. So they was all in the room as well. Um, and I just remember being so excited because the scan before I had a 3D scan. So I was looking forward to having another 3D scan and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna see what he looks like. He's gonna look like me. Mm. I want him to look like me. And then to be told that um, there's no heartbeat, just was mm. not expecting that at all. Not expecting that at all. So then, yeah, the process kind of started really. The physical process um, going, I just remember, it was like, I describe it to people, it was like I floated across the ground or just floated into another room at the side of the hospital and there was a female doctor there and she was explaining what was happening and everything was in slow motion. And you know, you see it on TV, and this is the thing that I was like, mine wasn't like that. You see on TV a lot of the times where someone's having a loss, they're in a lot of pain, you might see some blood, they know what's happening, they're screaming, they're crying. That was not the case for me at all. It's it's called a silent miscarriage when you don't know oh, right. what's happened. Mm -hmm. And especially because I was so far along as well, yeah. you would I could feel him moving, I was at that stage. Um, and then the doctor was talking to me. It's like, I didn't even know what she was saying, really. And I just remember one tear drop falling as she was talking and explaining what had happened and saying, you're gonna have to take some tablets to induce labor. And I was like, I have to, I have to give birth. Wow. Like it just, it was just like a massive kind of, um, I don't know, thing that I was faced with. And then I remember a second tear dropping and then after that I was just, just bawling and um, I went home with the dad my sister I'm from Nottingham mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've been in London for a long time now and my sister had moved to London at the time she was in northwest London I was in King's College Hospital in south she must have drove like a mad woman all the way from northwest to south to get to me my mum was in Nottingham she came down to get to me and I remember going home I was in a shared house at the time with two yeah. of the housemates and I remember I don't I don't know it must have been the dad who called um one of the other female housemates and she was there in the front room and I just remember saying to her he's dead my baby's dead and she gave me a hug and I was bawling on her shoulder like properly like broke down in tears now, I mean I don't I don't know what it is because my mind's going back to I, like I said I know it obviously they have to learn you know why is it at the time what do you call it were they, were they junior doctors or I can't remember exactly but I just know they weren't fully qualified they were students so yeah I, I mean like and there was a group of them as well I would just be like I'm not being funny but I mean I, yeah and yeah they have to learn but I mean, as in kind of just just learn, yeah, just 
learn somewhere else. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, you know, because I, I think I, it's that thing of you just don't expect it. You just don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Do you? So I don't think. And well, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know. Do doctors expect that to happen? Does a sonographer have in the back of their mind that actually this could happen when I'm doing this scan? But I. We just wasn't expecting. Yeah, because something like that is is so. I can imagine it's it's so, it's so like precious and you know you it is private as well and 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 I, I think what you said earlier about um you know uh, it's kind of making sense now because I, I have a few friends who've had um children and and they've sort of said oh like you know we we, we haven't we didn't tell him until after three months so I think that's that's like usually after the that would be classed as the, the first and trimester first trimester yeah. right okay so and then usually it's, I'm not sure how I'm just sort of going off of what I've sort of so I think after the first time I said it's sort of like are you is, will someone be deemed in the clear or I mean I know things can still happen but usually in the clear is probably not the right way to put it but um and I don't know what the exact stats are but it's um let's just say the stats or the chances would reduce somewhat oh, right, okay. generally because yeah. I know everybody can have different you know things going on with your pregnancy yeah. but in generally, this it would reduce the percentage or the stats of that happening. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can, can you imagine why people often, I mean, I think, I'll not say it's a rule of thumb, but people, some people, well, people that I know, they tend to, tend to, they've told me, like, friends, oh, we didn't tell anyone until after three months. I mean, maybe some might go longer, but either way, I, I think it's kind of, it's understandable because something like that is so, um, it's so precious. And, and again, I'm not talking like someone who, knows it all but I think even for black women as well it's even more precious and I'm not saying that's not to say it's, it's not hard for all women but you know there's been a lot of um uh I was well I can't say I can't okay. say discourse but there's, there's a lot a lot of things said about black women's experiences is it is it's it's hard it's, it can be harder and often than that what makes it even harder is you know it's like pregnancy should be something that that is yeah it's, it's beautiful but also there should be a lot of support and a lot of black women don't get that support. And if some people are sort of saying this or or some might quote unquote saying nagging about this, it's like you have to sort of literally, not literally scream, but almost scream in a sense where just to be heard. Whereas um, people, other counterparts, they're not doing it. It's just, they're just sort of like, right, this is what you have to do. Whereas, you know, and, and, I, and I think that, that kind of lends into, you know, the whole like, yeah, I, I don't know if you call it medical bias, medical racism you know it's not always um because i remember um i read an article and i think it was um i think serena williams was talking about her her experience with um giving birth to her daughter and she was and, and she was saying she literally had to kick up a fuss just to get the adequate care and support and and that's crazy because someone in her position you know exactly. like you know what i'm trying to say so, so it's like that's insane and it's like she was saying to herself yeah she she almost died, like, giving birth. Exactly. There, and there is a uh, massive disparity between um, black and Asian women and white women and the numbers of women that are black who have losses, basically, yeah. a massive disparity. I think it's we're four times more likely. So is that is that like a, in terms of the, um, for example, if they say, like, what is that one in four? Or is that just four, just four times more likely compared to white women or other? Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's massive, mm -hmm. it's massive. And then, yeah, I, Serena Williams in her position, as you said, to be 
to have to scream? How much more does, you know, do other black women who aren't professional tennis players, what do we have to do to be heard? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, and I read something, um, part in your article where you said, uh, you know, you had your midwife, but you didn't feel quite connected with them. I mean, I don't, okay, I don't want to, I mean, was that, in, in what sense did, didn't, you, didn't you feel connected? I mean, with them. You just imagine that you're going to have the best relationship with your midwife and that, you know, she'll be helpful yeah. <laughs> or she'll listen to you. But um, I just felt like I was undermined by her and especially like if it's your first pregnancy you are gonna have lots of questions and mm -hmm. I just felt like um I wasn't able to ask them and if I did then I was silly for asking them it just wasn't there wasn't that warmth there that I expected to be there yeah I mean does that something you, did you sort of tell her about that or was that something I you didn't, just no mm. I didn't I didn't, and that's the thing. I think a lot of the time, um, again, if it's your first, you're in a position where you're like wanting to learn and you're listening, yeah. eager, and whatever you're told you're gonna do, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, okay, maybe this is how it's supposed to be, but no, it's not yeah. supposed to be. I mean, was there any point where you, you sort of felt, um, can I just change, have another midwife? Or is it, um, I think where at that time you were assigned to this particular person and as in, you know, and you can't sort of, well, not that you can't change, but then if you were to change, it's sort of like a a, a process in itself. I imagine it probably would have been a process in itself. It literally was uh, where I was living, the doctor surgery I was going to, this person has been assigned to be your midwife kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and when the loss happened, that's same midwife, I mean, how were they, did they provide any sort of support and again, this is the thing. I imagined that it would be one lady to stick by me kind of thing all the way through the pregnancy. But when I had my loss, there was, an, I think I might have been given a number for one of the midwives connected to the hospital. And I don't even, I don't even know if I called her, to be honest. Mm. It was only years later with the work that I do with Mothers of Angels, I discovered that there is... Um, professionals called bereavement midwives who are mm, specifically okay. deal with women who have had a loss in pregnancy. That is their role, that is their job. And I've connected with some amazing ones. Um, and literally they're on hand for the woman, yeah. for the lady, they will call, you can call the lady, you get supported. But at the time I didn't have any of that. And at the time, it was, was that something, um, obviously you said you, you, you're doing the work of mothers of angels. So was that at the time, was that, were you aware of, of that level of support at that time? Or at the time you, of my loss, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No. No, so even looking back now, I think, what did you have as support, Tara? The hospital um, recommended or suggested that I could do bereavement counselling with the NHS, which I did do, which was amazing for me, although I know not everybody has had that experience. But other than that, there was a church that I was connected to at the time, um, and there was two pastors there who were supportive. Yeah. But specific support relating to grief and loss was just from the NHS counselling. I didn't connect with anything else. And looking back, that makes me think, oh my gosh, wow. How, yeah. how did you do that? Because it wasn't spoken about like that. And this is 13 years ago, so we're not mm. talking about 50 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah. you know, but it still wasn't. 
like that that's interesting um because a few a few months back uh, we I, we had a um had a group of men here and they so they started this group called uh, miscarriage for men so what it was um is they started as a way started this group as a way to um sort of share their experience well i say experience share their feelings as to you know supporting their wives who have gone through miscarriages and i remember one of the guys uh, uh um chris um he was telling me at the time when his wife had a miscarriage all he had was received was like some a leaflet and was just told yeah take this and sort of go home it's it's disgusting actually it's just like yeah it's not good enough it's not good enough like and 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 that's interesting because i, I always say to myself like again I, maybe i'm speaking well i don't know if i'm speaking if i'm being ignorant by saying but i just don't know why there isn't like a lot of support with the, not just in terms of baby loss, but just in general for people who've, who've gone through this, because it's always sort of a thing for where- For people like, who what, sorry? Who've gone through grief. It's always like a sort of like a, uh, like a, a bog standard thing, as opposed to, you know, there being sort of tailored support to that person who's experienced, because everyone's, everyone's experience is gonna be different. It might be the same type of loss, but everyone's is gonna feel it in a different way. And you know, and I, and I don't know what, what work's being done now, you know, um, I know that in some in some organisations, like I know, like at work, for example, they have like um, you know, you know bereavement counselling, you know, in hospitals. I don't know if if it's changing where you know there is a lot more support for women um, who've gone through um, baby loss and also black women. And and I think as well, it's not to sort of divide and say, oh, you know, Asian women don't need support or white women don't need support. But I think the issue why there needs to be support on black women because there is isn't there. It's almost almost like a neglect. It's almost like the, it's sort of um. And when we had um, the whole Black Lives Matter, and, and there's always that rebuttal of all lives matter, but that, but then it's it's not saying it's not saying that um, all lives don't matter, but but in this particular um, for this particular race, it's like there, there is there is no support there, so it's kind of like I, I, I see that I have that same sort of stance with with this as well, you know, there is in that support, and and it's scary because you know like we have you know you have family members who are gonna bring children as well, and it's all, you don't. Like I said, pregnancy. I imagine it's a, it's, it can be stressful, but it can be peaceful, can be beautiful. But that stress of thinking, okay, no, I know as a black woman, this, this, like I'm, you just hoping and praying. It, it, I, I don't know. It's, it, it must, it must, it must be, like crazy. And 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 not to, um, go off on a, on a small tangent. It's even when, even just you have, that, but also raising a black child if it's a, if it's a black son because I remember um, I think it was Sandra Bullock she had she did an interview and I think she said um, it's, she, what did she say I can't remember word for word but she was basically talking about the idea of r raising a child like as as a white mother she doesn't have to necessarily worry about you know if your child's going out to the world are they going to make it back home you know but that's that's something a lot of black women have to worry about Especially we've all seen it in America with with you know um, black boys being killed. So and, and even here to to an extent, like it's almost that extra worry. I remember even growing up, my mom always used to say, "Look, don't listen. You're not gonna you're not gonna kill me with high blood pressure." And at the time, I was thinking like, but "What? Like, why are you saying that? What? What?" But sometimes you just don't understand. Like just going out, being a, a young black boy, being caught up. And at the time, there's time when I was growing up, the knife crime was rife. It's it's still rife today. But these are all these different things where some people don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, and it's not, it's not to say, oh, like, 
let's feel sorry for us, but it's the, it's the truth. Everyone's experience is going to be different, you know, and I think it's just, um, it can be tough. And when you're in a position where, you know, you're sort of just hoping and praying, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I can imagine it's difficult. And, and, you know, I can imagine it was hard for you at that time, not having that support or not necessarily knowing how you're going to navigate this. And, and, you know, looking back now, obviously at the time it was, 13 years ago to now, how how would you say um, comparing your grief in that first year to now, has, has there, is it still the same? Has it changed? Or do you feel like you, you're in a much, um, yeah, I would say you're in a much peaceful place if, if, that, if that is the I think right way to uh, sort of frame it? I think the big thing that stands out for me is the progress, um, it's progress that has been made from the first year um, to now, basically 13 years later. And it's been a massive, like a mammoth journey. It's been massive. And I don't know, there's so much to it. It's like you said before, the um, the phrase that a lot of people say in terms of uh, grief comes in waves. And I think it was our second year of Mothers of Angels, we had uh, an amazing uh, therapist come on and speak and guest um, at the Sunday tea that we put on, a lady called Whitney Blacksmith. And she was talking, she showed a, a kind of a slide on the screen of that was representative of grief. And it wasn't straight and linear. It was up and down, mm, and up yep. and down, then straight, then down, then up. And all of the women in the room identified with it. And that's exactly what it's like. So from, you know, the first year, was down yeah. for a very long time, a very long time. Um, and then up until the 13th year, it has been up and down, but it's been, it's kind of been um, more stable yeah. over the years, but there's definitely those downs and there's definitely ups and then stables, but it is much more stable. There's not as much downs as there was in the first year. Um, of my loss that was <laughs> that was down for a very long time and you said something earlier which I noted and it was about kind of like having time and space to grieve um and not necessarily getting that and one of the things that I thought is I think that's because people around you want you to be well and they want you yeah. to be better so it's almost like they give you a time frame and I remember yeah. um the first time I started to speak publicly about my loss because at the time it was close friends and family that knew. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm on my journey doing my way. And then I received the text message from my sister, which was the catalyst for Mothers of Angels. Around that time, I posted on Facebook. I don't even know if I was on Instagram at the time, <laughs> but on, yeah, actually I think I was, but separate. So I posted on Facebook and I did this big long post to say how I was affected, how I was affected that Mother's Day. And somebody, um, I know it got back to me and they was like, oh my gosh, I saw this post from Tara and I thought, you're still in that place. You're still talking about that. And at first I was angry mm. because I was like, this is a massive thing that happened. Yeah, I'll be you know? angry too. This is massive. But then I thought to myself, actually, they just want me to be well. They want me to be better. And people around you want you to be back to your old self or they want to see yeah. you happy. So I think that's one of the reasons why they might want to put a time frame on your grief or on navigating your loss. But the thing is, it's like, 
I don't want to say it doesn't go anywhere, but dealing with that loss in your life, let's say, is a it's a lifetime thing. Yeah, you're just dealing with it and you're managing it, and that's that. Th- that's the thing, and I f- and I think, like you said, that person who said it, they probably don't mean any yeah. uh, malice by what they're saying, but I think there are ways you can say things, and and I think, and I think, and again, I don't say this to to be like, oh, you know, we're in this exclusive club, you can't get in. But I think something until you've been through it, you you understand that it's not you don't get over it and it's not something you just stop talking about you know or and, and that's the thing and, and again p- again maybe if if i didn't go through lots maybe, maybe I, w- I would be like that have that have that same attitude where okay well, well you know like i mean and, and obviously it's sad that you've gone through this but don't you think you know you should you know but then when you're when you're in that boat you then realize actually well yeah you can you should you can move on well not necessarily move on but you just move with the grief, so it's not so much like where, yeah, you know, you've, like I said before, you you go through your traditional stages where you, you bury them, you mourn, you know, and and I, and it's interesting because um, I, I had this quote that I, I sort of said in wrote in said an article, um, we mourn for a season but grief for a lifetime, and it's crazy because I didn't I didn't realize how powerful that that was, and I think that quote literally was what resonates with me every day because. Literally, mourning is for us. If we when you think of mourning, it is for a period, like mm-hmm. you know, whether that's ten days or ha- in different cultures, it, it just varies, right? But grief in itself is separate. It's not so much. Yeah, they are quite similar, but grief is just everything that comes with that loss. It's not something you know. You, you can go about your day, go to work. You're still grieving. Like I, I, I think about my, my parents every day. It's not something that you just switch off. You know, and some and some days, like you said, it's waves. There's some there's sometimes when that wave gets higher. Maybe that's due to where maybe upcoming anniversaries, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Whatever it may be that that triggers that. And and I find myself in that every year. It's in, I'm in that that realm of okay, it's up, it's down. I'm anticipating okay, like like even like next week is my mum's. It will be eight years since my mum. So I'm even thinking to myself, okay, am I gonna be good this year? Mm-hmm. You know. What what's it gonna be like, you know? But as a, as a rule of thumb, I just said to myself every day, I just make sure if it, is, it does fall on a working day, I just take the day off. Because yeah, I could be fine, but just yeah. give myself okay. This is just me time, and just to and sometimes it, it does it does get uh, I would say like quite um, I do feel anxious sometimes. I think I mean I think during the earlier I was quite anxious because. Not so much for me, but also like family members. I'm thinking, okay, is my sister gonna be okay? Is my aunt? You know, I mean, there was one one year in particular, and it wasn't it wasn't an anniversary. It was the birthday, and I remember I was at home. I must have I came came home because I worked at the time. I was working close to home, so I came home for, like during my lunch break, and it was my mum's birthday that day. I just I just was in my room. I just heard my aunt crying, and I was just like, damn, it's just and and sometimes that's what I get scared of because mm. it might just start a domino effect. Okay, if I hear her crying, then I'm gonna start but then that's and, and, that, and that's grief that's grief it doesn't it's not like it stops you know and with me i'm sure you have your, your days where you know it's tough you know, it may be the, the day you know that the loss occurred or wh- whatever it may, it may be it's, it's hard about so much because um with this and it's with this kind of loss i remember my counselor saying to me that it's the future that you're mourning which is a slightly different perspective because you don't, you might think about 
times during your pregnancy, but you don't have lived memories with yeah. the baby yet, but you do have the future. You have the, oh, I was going to take them to school or, you know, when they take their first steps and thinking all of that kind of stuff, um, you you mourn that part with them. And it was like, there is no other kind of grief or loss like this that I've experienced. I remember my granddad died, um, it might be about 15 or so years mm. ago now, and our family are quite a close family, so when he died, he was that was the first loss that I'd kind of um, encountered of yeah. someone who I really loved, and I that wasn't great. But then to lose my boy, that was a different level of grief and, the, f the, the way that it comes to me is that it was such an intimate loss because he was growing inside mm. of me. So you're carrying your love inside of you and then that dies and that is just like, and then the stuff that comes after in terms of, and I think I did say in my article, and this is something, I don't know, medical professionals to think about, but like the way how it happens in terms of, they sent me home with my baby inside of me for I think it was one day or something like that. And then I had to go back to the hospital. Like that on your mind is just not great. Yeah. And, and I'm not the only person to have gone through that kind of process. So I don't know why they do it like that. Um, I have heard that there have been um, women who have been able to have a C-section um, after their loss, I don't know if they prefer you to for labor to be induced, but um, yeah, all of that on your mental health is not great mm. at all. And again, where do you talk about that? So I, again, I was able to have counseling with the NHS, but um, if you don't have counseling, you know, what support, where can you talk about what that looks like and how that feels like and what's going on for you mentally because I am a big believer in t in talking and speaking about what's inside otherwise it just stays there and something again that um the therapist mentioned at our Mother's Day event and it's something she kind of put words to thoughts that I had is the reasoning that you have or individual's ability to reason when they're going through grief and loss. Because I was thinking some things that were crazy. My reasoning mm. was completely off. Who, who's gonna check that for you yeah. if you're not speaking to anybody? Yeah, and sorry, so not to go back on in EastEnders, yeah. Like, <laughs> like one, one thing I know is just, just about what you said there, reasoning, because I think in EastEnders, um, so like I said, with, with, with Jay, he's, he's what to, to the other his other family members he seems to be sort of spreading out of control where you know he's not like eating right he's not sleeping properly he's kind of sort of just not there and and that and that's essentially the grief and and you know he said it, he said something um to his daughter where he said you know like love makes us do crazy things and so does grief and it's not to and it's not to justify those crazy things that that he, he is doing but but essentially, that's what happens. Like grief, you sometimes you, you can, it can take you to the darkest of places, where you just you just some people don't even want to what trigger one, and some people don't even want to be here anymore. Mm. And sometimes, again, yeah, that's not something that I thought you might openly share because you know, of course, that will come with judgment. Some might even be even more worried about it. But at times, it may not even be a, a case where you necessarily have those sort of ideations. But you just so, but again, because that loss is so yes, that hurt hurtful. It can even 
to lead you to the point where actually, you know, I don't even want to imagine living without this person. That pain. And the thing is, the relationship I was in at a time was a mess. So I didn't have that. All I had, all I was living for was for my baby boy. That's it. That was the reason I was getting up every day, focusing on that, thinking about that. So then when he went, I was like, what, what is there? Yeah. There's, I was living solely for him. What is there now? There's nothing. There's nothing. So I get that completely. And I feel like so many women um, may have that feeling as well. There's nothing. The only thing I can say to that is, and I am a believer in God, that literally mm. by the grace of God, 13 years later, I'm here. You don't, it's, you don't, when you're in it and you're doing day to day, you don't know how you're going to do that day. But it's just like, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and then you're here 13 years later kind of thing. Mm. I, I don't know, it's just literally take the day. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that too because even when I look back at, you know, that first year and, and now, I just remember, I, I, mean, I, even, I, even rem I still remember the actual day when, I, when we got the call and um, I was just all over the place. I was like, yeah. I don't wanna I can't remember, I don't wanna be here anymore. Like I can't I can't live, I'm not gonna live, I can't live, I can't live. And it's like I remember back now I was like, that's crazy because when I when I view myself, I'm just like I have never I've never been so out of character than I have been in that particular moment because of that grief. Normally I'm just, you know, I can very much keep a level head, you know, just internalize things. Whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know. But it's it but it's but that that experience, well, this journey of grief just goes to show that sometimes you don't even know what it can do to you. And and it's that can be a scary part, but also at the same time, when I look back, I'm thankful to God that, okay, I can sit here, talk with you, and not only talk with you, but also like, I can just speak about my grief. And that's, that's why I'm so big on, you know, having spaces where you can talk about it because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get to a point where, okay, it's one thing dealing with the loss, accepting it, making peace, me personally, I think those are three different stages. Mm -hmm. Some people, they can easily get to all three. Some people, not so much. So I think it's even a blessing to being able to like confidently say, you know, I've, I've, I've made, and, and I think the third one is making peace. That is, sometimes can be so hard because it's not making, because when, when I view peace, it's not to say that, oh, like everything is, is uh, okay again, but it's making peace with, you know what? It's not okay, but, but I've made peace with it, and and you know, and, and for me personally, like I always say, like yeah, I, without God and support, like who knows? That's why, like I, yeah, I'm just so big on like with grief and 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 how it affects you mentally. You just don't know. I, I mean, life's hard as it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and especially in, in current times we're in, but it's hard as. But just having to wake up every day and and be positive and you know watch people. And again, I don't say this to say I'm, I'm hating on anyone but I watch people like you know live there have have their parents and you know like sometimes you think to yourself like I, I don't like to dwell on self people but sometimes you think to myself like damn you don't even you don't even know how lucky you are like you're both your parents like do you know what I mean and it's just like but but I, I can't I can't that's, that's not how life works I, I, I can I can be in that place where I'm just dwelling on that but you know what the only thing I say to myself like and I don't know how a lot of people who who do believe God feel about it, but you know God knows best. And that's not to say I'm happy that my parents have passed, but like 
God knows, God knows best, and I'm sure, and I pray that, yeah, there, there is still more blessings in my life to come. You know, I'm not sure if you ever felt that sentiment as well. Or um, I, I think, how do I tackle that sentiment? It's, it's hard. It's hard. And I think it was last year during Baby Loss Awareness Week, the event that we hosted, which was only virtual, was baby loss and spirituality. Because I know that faith, whatever faith um, people might have, is something that is hit massively with loss and grief in general, but also this kind as well. So in terms of... Um, you know, everything happens for a reason. God is doing it for this. God is doing it for that. I kind of, I think that is up to the individual to kind of reconcile their own faith and belief with their loss, particularly relating to baby loss. Um, mm. I would not say that to a woman because I just, because I know, and especially when it first happens, I know the response it's not, <laughs> it's not a positive one. You don't yeah. want to hear that. You just, you don't want to hear that at all. So for me, I think it's up to the individual to kind of, um, to reconcile or to kind of, um, I don't know, make peace with their belief and their loss at the same time. And that's yeah. a journey. And I think however you take that on, I can sit here as a Christian and I think to myself, I do believe, I do believe in God. I do believe he loves me. But then there's still those questions of, so why did this happen then if yeah. he loved me? And this is me and I've been um, kind of on this faith walk for maybe 17, 18 years and I still have that. But to be able to get to a place where I can be like, do you know what, you know God, there's some questions I'm not gonna know the answer to and to live in that place, I think it's about that for me because um, I'm not, I don't, I'm not gonna know the answer as to why, why did this happen? But what I can say is it's happened and I'm able to encourage other people um, with my story or to talk and yeah. to help them. So that's the positive from that, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I think, sorry, I, I didn't mean to say I, I would tell someone else that I've, I think I just meant more so me personally. For yourself, yeah. Of course, like I feel like as, God, you still have to use a bit of wisdom. You're not going to just tell someone who just lost their baby, oh, God knows best. Some people do. Do you, that. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's insane. Like, do. You know? So it's almost like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can have that belief, but at the same time, it's it's a bit of like a plan of wisdom and common sense as well. Someone who's just, you're not going to, you can't just, you know, tell someone who's literally gone through, yes, yeah, you can, not everything you think you must say. Do, exactly. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's, it's that as well. But I think also it's just, you know, when you do get to that place of peace, it's not to say, oh, well, you know, everyone should now be at this place. No, everyone's different. Some people, yeah. it might, they might they might be getting there. And I think that's one thing I'm, I'm always sort of mindful of. You know, um, yeah, I feel like I'm at a place where yeah, I've made peace with my grief, but it's not it's not safe to assume everyone has. So you have to meet everyone where they are because, uh, and that's the thing about grief, it's not, we're not all running the same ways together. Like some people, as you said, as I said, sorry, they are at a place where, they can openly speak about it, but it's fine. Like, like for for example, like me and my sister, yeah, we, we've both gone through grief, but she's not vocal about it. But I'm not gonna be like, oh, well, sis, you should you should just get over it. And like, look where I'm at. No, but the only thing and that the only key thing to do is continuously support her. If she does get to that place where she can be vocal, and that's and I'm not saying it's a must, 
But if she does, then that's fine. But the, the key thing is me support people where they are, not where you are or you think, oh, because you're here now, so you know you must drag someone to be at your level. That does it doesn't work like that. And I think that's the thing with grief. It's not going. You're not going to have. Although it's it is quite an, a, a universal a universal thing that will happen with everyone, but everyone's experience is going to be unique. And I think especially with, with baby loss, it's almost like you have to be, I won't say extra sensitive, but yeah, you, you have to be sensitive with grief anyway, but more mm-hmm. so with baby loss, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, it's fine. Uh, you can just try again, or you and can people, just get exactly. over it, or, you know, don't worry, like, yeah, it's so not, yeah, that's a bit wild to, to say. You know so I mean? many people say that. Something that just came to me is, um, I don't, in terms of the phrase making peace, it's for me, I feel like it's accepting, um, but also accepting your life now, which probably links into the morning, the future, because you is expecting to be on the path of motherhood, or if you already have children, you is expecting to have two children or three children. And with this loss now, that baby is not there. So accepting what your life looks like without that baby, I think that's an important part of the process. And, um, you know, there's a, a, a podcast or a group that's out there called The Worst Girl Gang Ever. And actually it is. You're in this club you don't want to be in. Yeah. You're on this path now you don't want to be on. Nobody wants mm. to be on that. So it's the acceptance of what your life looks like now or or what is yeah for the foreseeable until you know whatever happens in the future and that's a difficult thing and for me I had to accept that I was pregnant because I wasn't planning it mm. so that was a massive journey and then I had to accept that I'm not pregnant and that was also a massive yeah. journey as well and, and, and that's that's something that I, I did quite well the whole article was 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 um incredible and and I think what really Something that really made me think is when you mentioned that, um, you know, it wasn't something you were planning. And it's just, life is just crazy because sometimes it's like, sometimes we can want something, right? And it doesn't happen. Sometimes we don't think about something, it happens. And it's just, and sometimes it's almost like, do you you live life just being so nonchalant? Mm. (laughs) Do you live live life being, yeah, I want this, but you run the risk of if it doesn't happen, there there can be heartache, heartbreak. It, I don't know, it's just weird. So, but at the same time, I feel like, what do you do? You can't, because if you sit on the fence, you're still going to get hurt. It's, so it's almost, it's, in, like, it's just, I don't know what it is. Because I, cause I think I've been pondering over this for quite some time where like, okay, you know what, as much as I said I've you know, I've made peace, but I know there's still a life I want. God willing, I'll get married one day, have kids. But at the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe we don't get too excited about that. Maybe we don't. But that's no way to live, you, you know. But 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 I, but I sometimes have those reservations because I'm trying to protect myself. But am I protecting myself, or am, am I just just coasting rather than actually no, live your life? Yes, this might not happen. But how do you make peace? Yeah, how, how do you make peace with grief again? And you just so that that's I don't know. That's always the sort of things that I just ponder in my head, and I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm always sort of tussling between. No, you have to live life but I don't know it's just it's just difficult there are so many women who I've encountered who've had multiple losses um and it is that thing of you're getting your hopes up or you're planning and then you lose 
you have a loss and then you're planning and then you have a loss. So I get that in terms of self-protecting, how do you go after the things that you want in life um, and kind of, you know, can you manage the pain? Can you reduce the f amount of pain that you might get? But I think it might be in hindsight. Um, and I say to myself, actually, no, you still have to live life to the fullest. You still have to go after that. Yeah. And I remember it was after my loss. I was, cause I was going to church at the time. I wasn't married. So I'm the one having the baby out of wedlock. And I felt ashamed. Um, at the time going to church and all of that kind of stuff. And I didn't enjoy and embrace my pregnancy as much as I should. And I remember my sister saying to me, no, Tori, you should be clapping and dancing and proud mm. and happy while you're pregnant. I wasn't, I was ashamed. I didn't even want to show my stomach. And then it was after my loss, I saw a lady in church who wasn't married, who had her baby and was walking, pushing the pram and everyone was coming around her saying, oh my gosh, the baby's so cute. And I thought to myself, it doesn't matter Tara, no one cares. No one cares whether you had a baby with a king or the richest man or the poorest man. Nobody cares, they're just happy to see the baby. And I said to myself, when I get pregnant again, I'm gonna enjoy and mm. embrace the morning sickness, embrace whatever it is, because you just, you just have to, you miss out on those amazing moments yeah. if you don't, if you're self-protecting so much, you you run the risk of missing out on just some beautiful, some yeah. beautiful times. And you know, that's so interesting because, and I, and I can't say I have real life examples of this, but sorry, I, I, I know I keep going back to, to film and TV. No, 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 But it's almost, it's almost like when you, when you see in films, right? And it's like, sort of like a, a typical storyline where, okay, um, you know, someone gets pregnant. Yeah, and you know, maybe the, the family's religious and you know, they're, you know, due to religion, they're not happy with it. We see when that baby comes, yeah. no one, no one, that's it. They're not thinking, oh, well, because, and, and that's, that's what's so beautiful, what's so beautiful about, about, you know, children, because when that comes, you're not thinking, oh, you know, well, this was, uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. Just the life is here. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not, obviously, yes, people can have their, their religious beliefs and views, but in that moment, you're not thinking about that because all you care about is this little person that is now yours. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. You weren't married but that like it doesn't i'm not saying you thought it but it doesn't invalidate exactly you know your experience or your your mother and i think so yeah sometimes you know, yeah, people can have yeah again you can still have you those views you can still have those beliefs but when that baby comes and that's what's so beautiful about about children it's like it's nothing when it when they come nothing everything else is forgotten it doesn't matter you know and i think you know it's interesting you mentioned that because you know, sometimes yeah, people can be quite judgmental and, but in that time, like I said, of someone going through loss, it's not about telling someone, oh, you know what? Oh, God knows best. Oh, you know, you had this baby out of wedlock. It's not about that. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's just about, right. Are, are you receiving support? Like, you know, how, because that, like I said, as men, we wouldn't, I will never understand that. You know, so I, I won't even begin to say, oh, well, our grief is, but I can't imagine as a woman having to lose a baby and then still give it. That, that's mentally, that, that is that is a lot. Never mind the, the physicality of it, of giving birth to an actual human, but that that must, yeah, mentally, I, 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 I can't even imagine. So, I mean, it's not to sort of, you know, uh, yeah, it is to kind of give you a give you your flowers because it, it, I imagine it's, it's that's not that's not easy and then you know and at a time where you know there is not a lot of support as well 
you know, and you know, I can imagine just having all these sort of mental thoughts and to be here now. I think it's, it's a testament. So, you know, like, yeah, just I, I, yeah, because I, like, I can't, I can't imagine. I, I can, I can only just sort of emphasize to a degree, you know, because, yeah, I mean, because I, I've had, a, I've had a few uh, people on a podcast and they've shared their experience with baby loss as well. And, it's, and I'm always just like, like, how, yeah, mentally, how, how are you, how have you dealt with this? And, and it's so good to see that, you know, you are a place where you are dealing with mentally. I know you mentioned counseling, um, you know, I mean, even just speaking on that briefly, was that something you was prompted to do or that's something you sort yes. of decided to do at, at, in, your, in your own time? So it was the hospital um, who said that there is bereavement counseling that I can go for. I didn't, um, start straight away um, but when I felt ready to I did and I always remember my first session again one of the things for those the medical experts and people in the offices to think about is my counselling sessions were on the maternity ward I don't know why people do that it's oh, actually wow. quite that's another psychological um, as you feel like you should be in a, se in a yeah, separate yeah, yeah completely like you know, I remember I never used to sit down on the chairs because I didn't think I was worthy because I wasn't a mum anymore. My belief, I, I do call myself a mother now, but I wasn't pregnant, so I didn't think I was worthy to sit on the same seats as other pregnant women. So I would stand before going into the room for yeah. my counselling for like the first few sessions. Um, so even those kind of reasonings, which I look back and I'm like, no, Tara, you are worthy. That that reasoning, that mental thought that you had is not accurate. It, to get that on the outside, to test that, to have somebody to say, no, that's not right. That actually is really important when you're, you're dealing with your grief. But um, in my first session with my counsellor, it was a case of tell me what happened. And I spoke to her and she said to me, Okay, Tara, everything that you've just said and described, it sounds like a story and like it happened to somebody else, but this happened to you. And as soon as she said that, I just started crying. And it was like a massive kind of hit in terms of this is you, this happened to you, this is your life, Tara. And I was yeah. like made to kind of look at it and to deal with it. Whereas before, I don't know if it's like it could be kept at arm's length, I don't know if maybe that's how it was when I was describing it to her, but um, it was all of a sudden it was personal and it was me in that first session. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And, and I think, again, just going back to the article, you spoke about, um, well, I'm not maybe, not, maybe not verbatim, but you spoke about, you know, receiving a text from your sister and, and that's where you, you felt a sense of peace. Um, yeah, just yeah, just just talk about that. Again, not peace, but I would say um, getting closer to acceptance and okay. acknowledgement right. there, because um, it was Mother's Day. I so this was four years ago. Messaging all the new mums um, that I know and the mums that I know, I sent my sister a message saying Happy Mother's Day, have yeah. a great day, kind of thing, and she sent one back saying Happy Mother's Day to you, Tara. You had a boy, a beautiful boy. And as soon as I saw that message, I just started crying. And the thing is, before, so the week leading up to the Mother's Day on that Sunday, I already had thoughts in my head. I was already planning, I'm not going to go to church this Sunday. I'm going to stay at mm -hmm. home. I knew that I'm not going to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. But I didn't, I couldn't articulate or put my finger on 
why I was having those thoughts. Yeah. Why do you not want to be around other people on Mother's Day, Tara? I wasn't a, at a place where I could talk about that yet. So seeing that message from my sister was like, bang, you're a mum, Tara. Yeah. Remember that. Bang, you can be acknowledged on Mother's Day too, Tara. Yeah. You're allowed to be. So it enabled me to kind of begin accepting that. And I remember I was in bed crying and I was like, come on, Tara, just call. In fact, I don't know if I can say this. Yes, I can say this. There was a helpline that I called. I tried to call a helpline, not not helpline. By the way, don't shut it up. But don't worry. If you don't, want, I can just bleep it out. Okay. Feel free to say <laughs> what you want to say. Specifically for um, baby loss, but just a helpline. Yeah. I was on hold for this helpline for a good ten, maybe more minutes. In the end, I was like, I give up on that. That's not great if you're someone who's going through like a really difficult time mentally and you want to speak to somebody. Yeah. I know lines are busy, but I was on hold for way too long. And I thought I can't speak to any friends because the majority of my friends all have children and I didn't want to spoil their Mother's Day. Yeah. And that's a really bad thought to have in terms of thinking that me sharing with somebody else that I was feeling the way that I was feeling would spoil someone else's mother's day. But in the end, there was a friend I was able to text and she was encouraging me. And then um, later that week, I spoke to a pastor of mine uh, from a, a church that I was connected to in Nottingham, Pastor Sonia Stewart, and she was amazing. And she said to me, I think you've been undervaluing yourself, Tara. Um, and everything that you've been through. I don't think you've been acknowledging it properly and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging yourself as a mother if you choose to. There's nothing wrong with saying to a few friends or family, actually on Mother's Day, I kind of, that's a day that's gonna mean something to me. Mm. I would like to be acknowledged. And she said, there might be other women who feel the same way as you do. And that's when I started thinking and then the year after, I said to myself, I'm going to put on a, a Mother's Day and a Sunday tea for women who have experienced pregnancy and baby loss and we can get together and we can talk. Um, and you mentioned it a few times in terms of there not being a space for people to talk about feelings of grief. And that's one of the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to give a space and create one for women to get together where we can just talk about this. And then COVID happened. So oh, COVID, COVID, <laughs> that just didn't even... It, honestly, it's it, like COVID... It, 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 so many plans start so many... Because even, funny enough, this was just started yeah started a podcast during i think 20 2020 so i think it was just no because COVID was officially 20 march 2020 I, I remember yeah so yeah so literally that's when, when it starts so literally oh it's so many different and even that in itself that 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 even caused a whole different sort of wave of grief and you know but i, but I think that's interesting because i'm not saying that this this is the case but it's, it's good to know that people do acknowledge those have been who have gone through miscarriage stop knowing them as mothers because something just, I, I have a feeling that you know people and again it's not to say it, it's people's fault maybe it's just more so uh, a certain cultural society where like you're only a mother if you've given birth to a child who's functioning and mm -hmm. but you know but if you've been through miscarriage why can't you have that same I'm not saying that you, you don't but why can't you it should be you should be acknowledged as well you know so I think that to that that is good to hear that you know, your sister sort of, well, I don't say, not give you a boost, but yeah, sort of ma catalyst, made you realize, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Get, get that catalyst to, to now start what you're doing now. And, you know, I think, again, there's a, sometimes, yeah, with, with grief, it's not, it's not nice, um, but sometimes there can be a silver lining, you know, um, you know, and, and, that's, and that's that's one thing I'm, I'm always booking, like I said before, uh, repeatedly, that's always about 
having the space because unfortunately we're not the we're not the first and the last people to whether it's to lose parents other people are, are well i can't say other people are going to lose children but grief is not going to end you know so i think it's important to have that space and not just a space in general but have a space where people can feel comfortable mm-hmm. to speak and not just sort of you know be pigeonholed or you know just yeah just sort of boxed somewhere you know and i think you know, like I said, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm perfect, but I'm trying to make this a platform where that, that is the case where people can come and speak about, you know, their, share their story. So, uh, yeah, so I'm really appreciative of, you know, you coming on here. I think it's been inspiring. Um, but just, just before we close, I wanted to know if there's anything you wanted to just sort of, uh, I guess, if you had to share something, uh, whether it's a word of advice to, you know, someone who has been through um, baby loss, like w- what would that um, be? Um, I think to be kind with yourself, um, to be kind to yourself and to be patient with yourself as well, because, um, it is a journey. It's, it's a journey. And I think, um, I don't know. It's like when you're going through it, you are, you like you, you are in the thick of it Mm. and, um, you don't know what's going to be on the other side. You can't even see far, basically. So in each day that you have, just be kind to yourself and to be patient with yourself as well, to know that um, it is a journey. It's not like everything's going to be, you know, I don't think there is a back to normal, to be honest. I think it's it's a new normal or it's, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but there's not a back to normal, but just knowing that um, coming to yourself will take time or or the process of healing is a, a journey. It's a long journey. And again, I don't think you ever get to a place where you've arrived. You're just journeying. Um, so be kind to yourself as you go on this journey and be patient with yourself as you go on this journey. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's quite, I like that. I think... Because, so again, this whole, again, making peace, I, I feel like it's not making peace with the fact, okay, you, you've stopped somewhere and that's it. Everything is forgotten. It's just, it's, it's a constant journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said before, sometimes it's that battle of, you know, okay, this is life as I know it now. And that can be yes. hard to come to terms with, okay, like, and like, and it's, I don't know, I, maybe I can only speak for myself, but sometimes it, it, it's quite it's very, like, sad. Like, I'm always like, oh, you know, like, I tell myself, okay, I know, like, I, yeah, I have have family, but I always feel like, I, do, am I, like, I know I'm not an orphan, but it's like, okay, both parents are gone. Like, what, you know, what what, li- what life is there? Like, and I, that I know that sounds crazy, but I don't mean it in a sense where, like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm appreciative of, of you know, and I, I know there's still life, and I know that there's still, I still have a purpose, and, but the only thing getting me through that a lot of time is just, you know, just believing that, you know, I still have a purpose. God, I, I actually believe that. But sometimes I'm just like, damn, like, this is this has been a lot. And again, I don't, I'm not saying I'm the first person to go for it, but I'm just thinking like, like how, how, where do I go from here? <laughs> like, like, you know, but it's just, yeah, it's, al- it's always a constant battle. And I think, you know, like, and I w- one thing I do kind of say with mental health, just, and this is just sort of my view, I feel like, you know, if I can, I know I can't always be 100%, but if I can be at least at 80, that's good enough for me. And, and anything less, okay, then I start to sort of, you know, have to really 
checking in myself and mm-hmm. but more time a lot of the time if I'm at eighty percent but it's just a constant battle. It's, it's, it, it never stops and, and that's what's so hard about it. You know, you you know, we've been through a lot but then there can still be more to come. We just I guess it's just maybe praying for strength or just praying that you yeah, just that your mental health doesn't take a, a toll because that's that's all we have, you know. Um but yeah, it's just it's interesting. But Tara, I appreciate the conversation. Um, Thank you. It was very deep, and uh, I really like like how how you was open, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, hope it wasn't too you know like triggering. I know it's, I know like it was 13 years ago, but I can imagine it's, it's still something that is can be quite difficult to talk about. So I really appreciate you being um, transparent um, about your story, and um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, we didn't even talk a lot about uh, Miles of Angels, but may- maybe that can be a, a, a another episode, you know, because that that would, I think that would definitely be more interesting to get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I think that's that's about about time. I think we're just a bit over. But thank you um, for everyone listening. Uh, much appreciated. And um, yeah, where can people like find you? Find your socials, especially um, the work you're doing with our Mothers of Angel. So yes, we're on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Mothers of Angels host Sunday tea. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because Facebook. At one point, because I, I I still have it, but something tells me I shouldn't write off yet. Cause I, and and it's, it's a separate it's a separate audience, but but honestly, That's, it's a separate, <laughs> it's a separate audience. audience but honestly, it's it's still very much. I know, like yeah, you know, Instagram is pretty much Instagram, TikTok is like. I mean, that's like the, the new kid on the block now. But Facebook, listen, people don't sleep on Facebook. Honestly, it's still very much. <laughs> you can spread a good message on Facebook because honestly, I've been so close to just literally thinking deleting it. But to be fair, I always see Facebook. That's mostly like my aunts and mum's yes. friends so I, I just saw something I, I do share some of the grief uh, podcast stuff on there at times and I, I do get a, a, a fair a, a decent reception so I'm like okay let me just leave it keep sharing but most of the time yeah just Instagram uh, most of the time but, um, but yeah it's been a pleasure thank you guys for listening um, as always follow us on on TikTok Spotify Apple Podcast and our Instagram page think that pod underscore um, yeah I think that's 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 a wrap. Yeah.